We'll find Acts, please. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts chapter 14. We'll read the first three verses. Acts 14, verses 1 uh, through 3. Acts 14, 1 through 3. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Now the the key for us this morning is that last phrase, that God confirmed the message of His grace. He validated it. He confirmed it. He affirmed it. He, he backed it up. He confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Now, have you ever experienced or seen a, a miracle? If you haven't, would you... Would you like to? Now, I'm not, I'm not offering to, I'm not about to perform one. I'm just, I'm just asking, would, wouldn't, you like to, wouldn't you like to experience a, a miracle? Do you believe in miracles? I mean, honestly, deep in your heart and at the core of your mind, do you really believe that, that a miracle, a real live, genuine, bona fide miracle is possible? Well, good. We got good. We got a few. That's good. I'll work on the rest of you for the next uh, few minutes. We're talking about miracles this morning in the early church, and today we, we, we're talking about the early church in the month of July. We last week we looked at the birth of the church in that that extraordinary event, that unprecedented event on what we call the day of Pentecost, and then we talked about the. The characteristics of the early church, how they paid attention to what the apostles, those who'd been with Jesus, said, and how they, they nurtured their fellowship, they invested uh, in each other, they, they ate in their homes, and they worshiped every day, either in the temple courts or in their houses. And there was a verse in our text last week that we read, we didn't, we didn't pull over and talk about it, but we, we read this verse. If you'll listen, Acts 2.23, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, if we were to keep reading through the book of Acts, we would read 11 times when Luke, the author, talks about signs and wonders, or wonders and signs, or just signs, meaning spectacular miracles. In Acts 4, the members of the early church noted their opposition to their cause from religious leaders and uh, political officials, and they prayed, Lord, consider their threats, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders. Acts 8, 6 reads, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, then they all paid close attention to what he said. And as we read a moment ago, Acts 14, 3, the Lord confirmed the message of His grace by enabling Paul and Barnabas to perform signs and wonders. You see, the church was new. It was fragile. It was vulnerable. 
The number of people in the church was relatively small. They were considered outliers by outsiders. And and so God validated them. He confirmed their message. They, They were new to the scene. They were vulnerable to opposition. So God performs these signs and wonders through them in order to let the world know this this group, these people, have my blessing and they are for real. I believe in miracles. In fact, the Bible itself begins with a miracle. Rather, rather an understatement. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. From the intricate pathways of honeycombs and anthills to the, to the Milky Way itself and beyond. Have you seen, I guess you have seen the images coming this week from the James Webb Telescope. Reminds me of, of Hubble. Of course, we have people in our church family who were part of, part of Hubble, Drayton Talley, and Charles Davis, and the late Cary Rutland, and probably lots of others that I don't know. Hubble provided us some unbelievable scenes from the universe, and now Webb just takes it to the next level. The NASA administrator, Bill Nelson, says that those, those scenes from, from Webb are just a speck of the universe. Remember, those pictures are not just of the Milky Way as it looks today. These are, these are pictures of galaxy upon galaxy upon galaxy from a few billion with a B years ago. So if we believe that in the beginning God created not just the earth but the heavens, then to believe that He could perform a miracle is not all that big a stretch. I know there are those who who love the moral and ethical teachings of the Bible, but have a hard time buying the stories of the miracles. The problem is that that all those moral and ethical lessons from the Bible are all tied up in miracles, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments come amid stories of parting waters and Fire by night and a cloud by day and water from a rock. And God himself wrote the Ten Commandments with his hand onto stone tablets. Miracles. The Beatitudes. We love the Beatitudes. God, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the meek. We love those moral and ethical teachings in the Beatitude, Beatitudes, but those were a sermon by Jesus. That was, those were in a sermon by Jesus to a bunch of people, a crowd of people who had gathered on a mountainside in Galilee. Why had they crowded? Because Jesus had been performing miracles. He'd been healing blind eyes and leprous skin and crippled legs. The stories of, of miracles are all intertwined with the ethics and the morals, and so it's not... It's not easy, it's not wise to try to separate them. I read an article titled, Science Finds God. It was not in a religious uh, newsletter or article. It was a magazine. It was in Newsweek. Science Finds God. It talks about quantum or subatomic events. Dimensions of reality unseen by the naked human eye in which... And I'm quoting now, behavior of particles is unpredictable. It spoke also about chaos theory, these instances like in weather and sometimes in um, 
some chemical reactions where there is an eerie randomness to the way things might turn out. Those things prompted the scientist James or John Polkinghorne to say, God selects which possibility becomes reality. Now, the point of the, of the article is that if there is a God, then in theory, God could perform a miracle without violating the so-called laws of nature. That there, are, there is this unseen realm of reality that where there's an eerie randomness to what might happen, and so that God can, can direct these events in such a way that it doesn't, it doesn't violate the laws of nature. Now, I don't understand chaos theory, and I don't even know what quantum means. I think it's something real small. I'm not real sure. I studied psychology and theology, not science. I couldn't pass an eighth grade science class today if I had to. And for me to bring up words like quantum and subatomic in Huntsville is quite a risky thing. (laughs) And I usually get a couple of emails helping me understand better after (laughs) after I do this. But my point is that the more, the more that experts understand about science, the more reasonable it is, the more reasonable it is that God could perform a miracle. And, and I, as I said, I believe he, he did, and I believe he still does. I want to tell you a story of what I believe to be a miracle. Thirteen years ago, my, my young friend Chris was 30 years old. He was already a leader in a Baptist life in Virginia. And Chris developed, a, there was, began as a knot on the back of his head at the, the base of his skull that with time was uh, diagnosed as, as a tumor, as a cancerous tumor. We were all very concerned about Chris and, of course, praying for Chris. And one night he went to sleep with a a knot on the back of his head and woke up with it gone. Disappeared overnight. The strange thing, stranger than that, five days later he got a call from a distant relative who did not know about this tumor. Did not know about the tumor. Who said, Chris, strange thing, I, I had a dream about you the other night. That Jesus was standing over you and he was pulling something out of your head. And if I remember it right, she said it was like noodles or spaghetti. That Jesus was pulling something out of your head and he was leaning over and whispering personal things to you. And, And I heard him say, I am removing your affliction. Now Chris is smart, so he kept going to the doctor. And when he went to the doctor, the doctor was, as you might imagine... Confused, bum-fuzzled. I talked to Chris after one of the, his recent um, checkups, and he said they're still, they're still confused. Now, I don't know why it doesn't happen more often. I, I believe in that instance that, that God just healed Chris. So why not more often? If from time to time something happens that is miraculous. By the way, I think some people 
manufacture stories of miracles. I think there are pe- preachers who peddle wealth and health, and, and so they, they come up with these wild stories that, you know, gin up interest. You know, they got to keep the offerings coming, and so they make up all these fantastic stories. I, I understand that, but I also believe that from time to time, God intervenes in history and, and performs miracles. So why not more? If from time to time he does, why not more often? Well, maybe it's because, remember, he he validated the early church through these signs and wonders. They were new, they were vulnerable, so God validated them. Well, now we have the Bible. They didn't have the Bible. They had what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, but they didn't have the stories of Jesus written, and they didn't have the letters of Paul, and and so they were young and vulnerable. They they needed a jump start, so maybe those, maybe he gave them signs and wonders as a jump start, and now we have history. We have 2,000 years of history, and churches are well established, and so we're not as vulnerable anymore. And so maybe that's part of the reason. But think about it. Life would be unbearably chaotic if, if God gave us miracles on demand. Some of you remember the movie Bruce Almighty. When Jim Carrey's character thought he could do God's work better than God could, so God just let him do it for a while, and he was in charge of answering prayers, and he was just so overwhelmed with the prayers that that he just said yes to all of them, which resulted in chaos. 400,000 people in one area had all all won the lottery and all got $3 for winning the lottery. Imagine what it would be like on a Friday afternoon, a, a, a high school football coach prays for a miracle. Lord, We're playing the folks that won the state championship last year, and we haven't won a game in three years. And so tonight, I need a miracle. His his job, maybe his job's on the line. God, tonight I pray for a miracle. So they play down to the the wire. Just a few seconds left in the game. His team is lined up on their own 10-yard line. So they line up to kick a field goal, a 100-yard field goal. And as the clock winds down, the kicker kicks it. It, uh, It's headed wide to the right, and it's going to be obviously far short. And then it changes directions and comes back to the middle of the field. Sails 120 yards through the uprights, and the coach's team wins. It would be hard to prepare against a game plan like that, wouldn't it? (laughs) And what if both coaches pray for a miracle to win? Then God just sits back and watches a good game, I think, is what would happen in that case. What if, what if a Madison County farmer prays one morning for rain? God, we're about to have to plow the corn under because we haven't had rain. So, Lord, today I'm asking for a miracle, the miracle of rain. And that same morning, a Madison County mother says, well, Lord, today's the day of my daughter's birthday party, and she really needs a good birthday party. And we've rented these big bouncy houses, and we got, you know, they're coming in with wings. And so, Lord, today I pray that it won't rain. And so it rains everywhere in Madison County, except that one area right over where they're they're going to... My point is it would be, life would be unbearably chaotic if God gave us miracles on, on demand. But a few more miracles wouldn't hurt, wouldn't it? 
Wouldn't it have been wonderful on May the 24th in Uvalde, Texas, if God had performed a miracle? Nothing spectacular, maybe jammed the gun of the man who killed 19 children and two adults. Wouldn't a miracle have been wonderful that day? The Ukrainian military could use a few miracles, like the miracles God performed for the army of his people in the Old Testament. I understand, I think, I understand why there aren't more miracles today, but honestly, a few more wouldn't hurt. So, in the days of the early church, in the days right after Jesus had walked the earth, in order to validate the church and confirm their message, God performed signs and wonders through through those common people. But today, when those seem not to be so common, the miracles, how are we to live if we believe God is powerful and loving and faithful? If we believe He could do a miracle, and yet He does not as often as we'd like, how then shall we live. Jesus appeared to Thomas after his resurrection. Remember, Thomas had doubted the accounts that Jesus was alive. And and Jesus said to Thomas, you have seen and now you believe. And that's great. But Jesus continued, blessed are those, or how good it is for those who have not seen and yet believe. Ms. Shelley, a moment ago, quoted from Hebrews 11.1, faith is the assurance of things we do not see. Or in the Cotton Patch version, it says, faith is betting your life on unseen realities. So faith that prays for a miracle and expects a miracle is good faith. Better faith is faith that continues to believe God is faithful and good and loving and powerful, even when we don't see what we really wanted to see. I told you the story about Chris, a young man who I think uh, was the recipient of a miracle. Let me tell you about another Chris, a different Chris. A former member of this church, Chris. Several years ago, this young man also was diagnosed with cancer. And he came to me and asked about the, the passage in James where the Bible says that you're, you're to call the elders or the church leaders together and pray over those who are sick. And he asked if I was comfortable with that. I said, of course I am. I've, I've done that before. And And so we gathered, some of you may have been there, deacons and members of his Bible study class and friends. We we went to his home and filled up his den. And before we prayed, I told the story of the the men who took the crippled man to Jesus. I said, you know, he was on the cot. They, They got him up on the roof. They pulled the shingles off. They lowered him to Jesus. But now when they got him to Jesus, then then it became Jesus' business as to what would happen then. I said, we're going to take, take Chris to Jesus. 
then we're going to have to trust Jesus to do the right thing. And we prayed one by one, knelt by Chris's side. And I mean, we didn't just, I mean, we got down to business with the Almighty. And I remember walking into the kitchen during the prayers with the sense, this is really going to happen. But God didn't heal Chris. And I struggled with his death because I pleaded with God for his life. But here's the deal. I still will take people to Jesus. I still will carry them on the cot of my prayers into his presence and ask for a miracle but still trust him when I don't see one. Amy, would you come up here, please? Amy and Chris George are with us. Amy was interviewed for TV Church, Tennessee Valley Church this week, which aired this morning. And Chris, we're glad to have you here. Many of you remember Chris from his uh, hockey days. Um, Amy, you have two big events coming up, both of which contain the words miracles. Swim for Melissa on July the 30th, making miracles happen. And then the Miracle Bash on August the 5th. And those events that carry the word miracle have grown out of the deepest grief and greatest loss of your life. Would you please tell our folks about that? Yes, thank you, Travis. We are the family who prayed for a miracle and did not receive it. 17 years ago, um, I was pregnant with twin girls. I had complications during my second trimester, which put our daughter Melissa at risk. And we were told that um, they didn't know that she would survive when she was born. And they put me in the hospital on hospital bed rest and said I would be there until I delivered. And so I was there for seven weeks. And so during that seven weeks, I, I experienced all the emotions, fear, anxiety, doubt, confusion. And Chris and I did the only thing that we knew to do in that situation, and that was to pray. And we prayed. We prayed together. We prayed apart. I wrote prayers in my journal. I prayed out loud, I whispered prayers to God at night, and I prayed in my heart. We prayed hard. And because we prayed so hard, and because we had faith that God could save her, we truly believed, just like Travis did with his friend Chris, we truly believed that God would save her life. And then he didn't. And what happened next was a new trajectory for our lives that is 17 years in the making, a faith journey that we have gone on with God of trying to understand why those things happened and what we were supposed to do with it then. Because when you are a person of faith and you believe in God, and you believe that he can do miracles, and you pray really hard for that miracle, and then you don't get it, what happens? Well, I can't speak for anyone else, but for me, I felt betrayed. I felt angry. I felt so confused. And I didn't know 
how in the world to reconcile the fact that I had that faith, but God didn't answer the prayer the way that we wanted him to. You know, I wrote an article a few years ago. It was a topic that God laid on my heart, and I entitled it, It is Okay to Not Be Okay. You know, sometimes as Christians, we think that when really, really bad things happen to us, that we're supposed to be stoic, we're supposed to have a step up or lip and, and tell everyone, well, you know what, God has a plan, and, and I'm okay, I'm okay with this. And that's just not real life. That's really not how it works when you have a devastating loss. You know, if the same God that I believe in is the God who created the universe, the God who spoke everything into being, the God who knows every single one of us intimately, every hair on our head, everything we've ever done and everything we're ever going to do, then I believe that very same God is big enough to handle all of my questions. You know, the Bible tells us that when Jesus came to this earth, he came in human form. And that means that he experienced all the emotions that we experience today. He loved, he laughed, he had joy, he felt anger at times. But the one emotion that he had that means more to me than anything is Jesus grieved. Jesus knew how it felt to have your heart broken. You know, the Bible tells us that when Lazarus died, Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, but man, there's so much meaning in those two words. The Bible tells us Jesus was heartbroken, and he cried. He was devastated. The Bible also tells us that when he showed up, that Martha wasn't happy with him. Martha said, Jesus, where have you been? If you had just gotten here, you could have done something. You could have saved him. Where have you been? I had heard that story all my life. But after our daughter died, when I read that story again for the first time, I don't know that I've ever resonated with anything else in the Bible like I resonated with Martha in that moment. Because I was Martha. Jesus, where were you? Where were you? Why didn't you do something? But you know what? With time comes perspective, and with perspective comes clarity. And Chris and I, through these 17 years, have been able to see how God did work, even though we didn't get the miracle. We, um, as Travis said, we went on after our daughter passed away, and we started the Melissa George Neonatal Memorial Fund at Huntsville Hospital. And we raised money for the neonatal ICU where our daughters received care. And we've raised more than $4 million at this point for the unit that we've been able to put back into the unit to buy life-saving medical equipment. We have had the privilege of walking with parents at their lowest, darkest moments in their grief. And we've also had the joy of being stopped at the grocery store by someone we have never met who wanted to tell us about their NICU story and their grandchild or child or niece or nephew and how well they were doing and how grateful they were for Melissa's fund. And we've been able to experience the joy that that has brought. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't still wish I had gotten the miracle. I still wish I had gotten the miracle. But what it does mean 
is that I know that in God's sovereignty and his love and his power and his mercy and his grace for us, that I can trust him with my life, that I do not have to understand it. I've come to terms with there are things that I will never understand this side of heaven, but I do know that he loves me and that he loves our family and that what Satan had hoped would destroy us, God was able to use for good. And at the end of the day for our family, that is probably the greatest miracle of all. I know there are some of you here who have experienced the miracle, who have prayed for healing or something like that, and you received it. And I want you to know I am so happy for you, and I am overjoyed at what you've been able to experience. But those of you in this room who have prayed for the miracle and you didn't get it, I have a place in my heart for each and every one of you. And I want you to know today that you are seen and you are recognized and you are loved by a God who loves you more than you can imagine, who sees your pain, who knows your pain, and does want what is best for you, even though it doesn't make sense. Blessed are those of us who do believe and have not seen, because one day we will, thanks to the God of all comfort. Thank you. Would you help me thank Amy and Chris for coming, please? Blessed are those who have not yet seen and hear that we believe.